0: We're joined on the line now by Nadir Token, analyst at 274 Investment Managers. Good morning, Nadir. Good morning, Sakina. Now, Nadeer, let's start by taking a look at the markets and the bid for quality stocks. Yeah, Shakina, I mean, if we look at uh, what's been happening with the U.S. earnings season and what investors have been saying in surveys, um, you know, it comes as no surprise that uh, the market has returned to or want to see uh, a higher quality kind of earnings coming out of uh, the, the corporate America and uh, a bid for uh, growth in top line and, you know, not a supporting of earnings just through share buyback. So we see investors saying that uh, they no longer believe that uh, companies' balance sheets are under leverage. We see that, you uh, uh, Investors are, are responding to uh, companies by saying that uh, you know they want um, they, they want companies to cut debt on their balance sheet. They want them to grow their top line, and they want them to be paying out more dividends. Should they not be able to? Uh, should they not be able to uh, uh, reinvest uh, money profitably back into their business? So you know we see come and, and we've seen that happening. Um, you know in the in the latest earnings season, we've seen that bid for quality really happen in, in, in some of the stocks. You know, we've seen uh, some of the typical growth stocks which haven't uh, delivered the top-line earnings number yet uh, coming under some severe pressure. So if one looks at Twitter, Netflix, um, you know, a lot of the tech companies. We in fact, we're seeing uh, Twitter now starting to lay off uh, 300 engineers. Um, you know, in order to cut costs so that they can support some, uh, support uh, lower revenues or revenues which are taking longer to filter through than what they had originally projected. So, you know, I think uh, the market is now fed up of financial engineering. You know, and we saw it uh, with Walmart's uh, earnings guidance the day before yesterday as well, where they sort of indicated that. Uh, their earnings would fall between six to eight percent and the stock dropped 10 percent in a day sakina and this was after they mentioned that uh, you know they announced that they will they'll be doing a share buyback and the share buyback didn't do much to support the share price and that was the biggest one-day decline we've seen in walmart in over 10 years so you know the, the market is starting to punish poor earnings uh, poor earnings growth and poor earnings quality um you know and and, and uh so the the u.s market is no longer being fooled by share buybacks as it has over the last couple of years where we've seen in excess of two trillion dollars of companies uh, cash being used for share buybacks in order to support uh, earning, in order to support uh, you know the earnings growth per share because if there's fewer shares in issue earnings per share looks a lot more attractive so yeah you know I think uh, it 's all about uh, delivering on, on on sales now and delivering on volume growth and uh, you know what does come to mind is a b InBev, you know and, they, and the pressure they're going to be under to ensure that the S- SAB Miller deal works because uh, they paid a 50% premium for the company. That's number one. Number two, they've uh, recently indicated just uh, late yesterday that uh, they're going to come to market with a $55 billion bond to to subsidize uh, parts of the deal. I mean, $55 billion corporate bond is a massive number. So they really are leveraging up their balance sheet by quite a large extent. Um, You know, and investors have outright in surveys conducted by a lot of the brokerages said that, uh, you know, they're not looking for leverage, they're looking for top-line growth. So AB InBev is under pressure to ensure that the SAB Miller deal does work. Well, let's stay in the U.S. for a moment, Nadir, and just look at uh, the U.S. inflation data and also uh, perhaps just summarize the U.S. bank's uh, corporate earnings for us. Yeah, you know, Shakina, in general, the earnings have been fairly disappointing, and this is a concern. You know, I mean, uh, analysts have been expecting earnings out of the U.S. to moderate for the third quarter, and uh, we've just mentioned that uh, people are looking for earnings growth, particularly because of the extent of multiple expansion that we've seen. So if we look at the banks that have reported, pretty much all the big ones have, uh, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, and Bank of America. Um, You know, and in general, they seem to be very disappointed earnings, you know, particularly from the larger ones, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan, who reported a significant declines in trading revenue for the third quarter. In fact, Goldman Sachs reported a 36% decline, um, you know, in profitability for the third quarter. Their revenue dropped below seven billion dollars uh, for the quarter for the uh, for the first time in in, in two years, um, you know, and their and, and and their revenue declined by 36% on the back of much weaker trading revenue. So, and you you know, Goldman Sachs is the one bank that hasn't embarked on the cost-cutting spree that some of the other banks have. Um, you know, we saw Citibank release numbers yesterday that came in ahead of endless expectations. At a dollar thirty-one per share, relative to an expectation of $1, a dollar a dollar twenty-five. So you know, Citibank, uh, and that's really on the back of cost cutting that they've implemented. They've cut a massive amount of costs uh, out of their base, and that's what uh, Michael Corbett, the CEO of that business, um, has been on a mission to do. That, given that uh, you know, volume growth hasn't been there and top line growth hasn't been there. So you know, the, the banks in general, uh, the ones that have done well like Citibank, it's been about cost-cutting rather than volume growth, which is not ideal, Sakina. And that's why we see some of these banking shares coming under pressure and why we are a little bit concerned um, about about, uh, U.S. corporate earnings for the third quarter. And uh, obviously the strong dollar has an impact on that as well. Um, if we look at the inflation data, you know that was also very uh, very poor coming out of the U.S. We saw uh, uh, consumer prices contract by 0.2%. Obviously, the much lower oil price has a significant impact on that. And why we care about that is that uh, you know coupled with a weak jobs numbers that be, that's been coming out of the U.S., the very subdued inflation data with the lowest number in a couple of uh, in a couple of years, the is that uh, you know the Federal Reserve can be very hesitant to increase interest. Rates at the October meeting, um, you know, and one would even seem to suggest that this very weak inflation data. mean, unless we see a significant rise in the oil price before the end of the year, which seems unlikely because OPEC is at maximum production and continues to stay there, um, you know, unless we see a massive increase in oil production, the oil price is not going, uh, going up uh, anytime soon. Is uh, going up anytime soon, which means that there's no real tailwind for inflationary pressures in, in in the U.S. So. You know, It's unlikely to see the Federal Reserve hiking interest rates uh, possibly even in December, and we may see that being pushed into next year. So, you know, I think the markets are having a bit of a rally on the back of that. We've seen the RAND strengthen uh, immensely on the back of that, trading at uh, just over 13.10 to the dollar. And that's really on expectations of what the Federal Reserve is going to do, and perhaps uh, the proverbial punch bowl will stay there just a little bit longer.